welcome to the STR Data Lab. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the STR Data Lab. My name is Jamie Lane, Chief Economist at AirDNA, and I'm joined today by a good friend, uh, Isaac Colazzo of STR. A bit confusing, given that you are from STR and you're on the STR Data Lab, but the STRs, I, I think they mean different things. Yeah, just a little bit, just a little <laughs> bit different. <laughs> so, and we'll get into that, but maybe Isaac, maybe we can start with, and you've just got a storied background in the hospitality industry. Maybe you can tell us, just tell us a little bit about your history and how you got to where you're at now. Yeah, great. Well, thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty interesting story. I started out as a marketing guy, actually an advertising guy, when I was in college, not after college, in college. And then that led to a couple of marketing jobs after college, one of which was with La Quinta Inns. But this was La Quinta Inns when it was still listed on the New York Stock Exchange, so the original iteration of that company. Mm -hmm. And then from there, um, La Quinta, I moved on to, I also, I moved on to Promise Hotels. And so Promise Hotels was acquired by Hilton. Promise, at the time I joined, had Harris Casinos, Embassy Suites, Homewood Suites, and Hampton Inn. And so it was a really great, great, great company. And after the Doubletree Promise merger and before Hilton bought it, uh, them, I moved on to Marriott, where I started uh, doing basically the same thing I was doing at Promise, but now at Marriott. And then a few years later, I moved to IHG. And the data journey, so everything from the time I started looking to, to the time I, at STR, where I am today, has always been about data. But for those of you that are of my age, data wasn't a thing when, when I started in the hotel industry. Really, all we had was res systems, right? There was, and um, really, there was no data analytics. And if you did any data analytics, if you wanted to understand your customers, you had to go to IT and, you know, they would you put in the requests. I want to know how many people stayed with us last night, you know, all that kind of stuff. It wasn't on a desktop. But as, I, as I'm making migration into data from the marketing side, a new software product, people are going to laugh, came out on the scene, which was called Microsoft Access. And it was because of Microsoft Access that we started mining the data in our res system. And the very first data project I ever did, you're going to laugh about this, we had a boycott. And the question from senior management was, what does it really mean? And it was a group of individuals. And so using surnames, uh -huh. we were able to quantify what we thought the impact of this boycott would be on La Quinta Inns at that time. And that was really the full, you know, the beginnings of using data to solve problems or at least give some context to the problems. So that's kind of how I got there or here but it's all, all about data. Great. So maybe help the listeners understand a bit about what SDR is as the company and, and what you do at SDR. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and again, during my formative years, so as I'm at La Quinta, this, this two people come to visit me and they're from a company called Smith Travel Research. Okay. And, and this is like 1989, 1990, somewhere around that time frame. And what they're doing is creating a service to benchmark hotels. But their idea is not only do they want to benchmark hotels, they want to be able to create competitive sets where you have a hotel, your hotel, which we call the subject hotel, and you can see how you're doing against four others or three others, whatever the case may be. And that's, um, 
And that began, that, that's how that company began. And then at the same time we started, they started aggregating all this data because we get actual hotel data, consumed data from the hotels themselves or the hotel companies. And then we could create markets. We could create the industry numbers and we could do things that hadn't been done before. Prior to Smith Travel Research, that the data on occupancy was call arounds, right? And so PwC did some of that. They had some sampling, something what like CB, CBRE did or PKF back in the day, but it wasn't very unified and it wasn't holistic. It was really certain markets. So, well, so you were at IHG and no, SDR was getting the data from you. They were also getting it from Hilton, Marriott, Choice, like all the other hotel brands too, right? Right, yeah. And then, yeah, the hotel companies tend to be our, our main clients to provide us the data, but also individual hotels, right? So, it, And so we have a whole hierarchy because the data can come from a hotel or come from a management company or it could come from the, the brand company itself. So there's a hierarchy that we follow within the company. But in case you're wondering, in terms of name, going back to that, finish that story. So Smith Travel Research started by a guy named Randy Smith. And so along the way, he wanted... He wanted it to be more than just his name. So that's how they went to the initials STR. And so, and that's where the company is today. And, and in October of 2019, STR, you're laughing at this one, was purchased by CoStar. And so we are now a division of CoStar in the STR side, but it's all these stars around. So it's really, uh, it's pretty funny, but that's really, it, it stood for someone's name. The very first, the S stood for Smith. And you're one of the biggest stars at SCR, right? Oh, I don't I, think so. No, I'm just a data guy. Um, I lead, a, you, I didn't answer that second part. I lead the analytics team. Okay. And so I lead a bunch of great people who are data nerds like you and I, and just love to get into it and see what the data tells us. And so, but um, yeah, I really enjoy, it's fun. Uh, having come out of the hotel business, I was in the hotel side for 30, 35 years, maybe even more. I don't remember. I haven't done my math. Um this is even more fun because now I'm not locked to one company like IHG. Now I see the industry and I can dig into, you know, what's really happening to our industry. So it makes it fun. So you're the perfect guy uh, for us to dig into what's going on in the hotel industry and maybe and be able to get the context for uh, some trends that are happening also in the short-term rental industry. As broadly, it's, it's overnight travel, right? It's right. what people are spending to go out on vacations, go out for uh, for business, uh, what they're spending in terms of all forms of travel and, right. and, and accommodation. Yeah, we'll start with the first part and then we can go into the total accommodations because we have the pleasure of having you at our conference and having to do that one presentation on short-term rentals and hotels or total accommodations, which which is really such a, no one else has been a, it's doing that. So the partnership with you has been great. So thank you for being a part of our conference. But what we're seeing in the hotel industry right now, in a word, is normalization. Everything's getting back to normal. The last three years have been anything but normal. And so a lot of folks have gotten scared over the last four months because demand, the number of rooms sold from basically May, June, July, no, probably April, May, June, July, four months, uh, is flat to down for the United mm -hmm. States overall. And people want to quickly equate that to some economic issues like, oh, it's the recession. And we're going, no, no, this has nothing to do with economics. This has to do with people now being free to go overseas. And if you look at the outbound side, it's way up, but it's not being counterbalanced 
or or uh, bring back to normal because the inbound is not there, right? International inbound still lost. And another way I prove it to people, I did this yesterday at a presentation, I showed them TSA. So TSA um, screenings are up from a year ago and they're basically back at 2019 levels and have been so for weeks. So you're going, no, it's not that people aren't traveling, they're just traveling different and they're traveling a lot overseas. And then also we saw a, 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 a migration from rural markets back to the big markets, New York City, Chicago, Miami. And so that's coming back to normal. So I think that's the biggest trend we're watching. But And then that's the demand side. On the rate side, we've also seen softening. But that's even more complicated. Not only do you have a shift in where people are traveling, so you're very high dollar individuals are going overseas, but you also have a mixed change now. So two years ago, a year ago, it was predominantly leisure and uh, you know high rate leisure. Now you have conference travel back. You've got uh, business travel actually reemerging. So I think that's the key. Everything's just kind of rebalancing, going back. It's going to take us a few years to everything get the back to normal, but it's heading that way. So that's how we've been characterizing it. So maybe step back a little bit. You said demand is sort of flat on a year over year basis. Maybe give listeners some context on where is demand relative to 2019 levels? Like, where is the industry now pre compared to pre-COVID? And how far down did it go in 2020? And, and what, what does the rebound look like? Yeah, that's a really good, uh, good question. And I'm going to, so I can actually tell you exactly, I'm opening my data because I don't want to screw this one up. But um, it was... Right now, we're about 1%. Let me see. It's a not far. Actually, about 5% lower than where we were in 2019, July year to day. So demand is very much very close to back where it was. And so it's actually not that bad. No, I was right the first time when I told you. It's, it's only 1.6% below where it was. So um, the rate is 5%. Or RevPAR is 5% where, lower than where it was in 2019. But it's really rebounded quickly. And again, it rebounded quickly in the rural resort markets and really left the key markets up to top 25, almost like, and not virtually, but not totally empty, but empty, right? And now it's coming back. Uh, and it's, it, it seems very strong. I think it's strong-ish. I don't know if it's strong, but it's strong-ish. <laughs> and so I feel, I feel good about it. But to give you an idea, I'm looking for our daily numbers. So Prior to the pandemic, so going back to March of 2019, we were selling, in, and this is a, just a few months of data, but just looking at, we're selling about 3.6 million rooms every day, mm -hmm. right? So it was a good amount of rooms. At its lowest point in April of 2020, that was down to 1.1 million rooms per day. And so it's not like no one was traveling. There was some traveling happened, but I mean, it was severely reduced. So about two-thirds of demand sort of disappeared overnight. Correct. And right now, July, um, July and June have been at about 3.9 million rooms being sold every day. So again, it's, it's, it's getting there, very slowly but surely getting there. And a year-to-date basis, we're selling about 3.6 million rooms every day. And that's really, really close to what, what it was in 2019. So uh, if, I, if I read all the decimal points, in 2019, it was 3,615,000 million, 3, rooms per day. Right now, we're at 
thousand moves per day. And so, and we liked and easier for listeners to think about it in terms of occupancy. So, average hotel, what percent of your rooms are you you're selling any given night? And if you're if assuming if demand's still about a percent or so below 2019 levels, I, I'm guessing there's been more supply added over the past three to four years. So occupancies are not quite what they were in 2019. And and thinking about where the industry was is and 2019 was probably a, a great year for for hotel occupancy. Is that right? That is correct. It was at a record high. That in 2018, they were both at 66%. I think uh, 2018 wanted by a tenth of a point. So occupancy then was 66.9 and in 2019 it was 66.8. So it was very, very high occupancy. And since then, you're correct, since then supply has increased. So overall supply is up 3.1% from 2019. Even though we're not seeing much supply enter now, but there was a good amount that was still coming in um, a, a, a year, two years after the pandemic. And that's kind of subsided a bit. But occupancy today is 63, on a year-to-date basis, is 63.8%. So Which, thinking back through history, that, that's a very healthy occupancy for the yeah. industry. Is that right? Well, correct. And that healthy occupancy is leading to rate growth, as you said. And what I hear is pretty strong rate growth. Can you talk us through like what we're seeing in overall industry rate growth and maybe how that is comparing among the different chain scales? Yeah, the... Um, what we've seen, I mean, rate growth post-pandemic, and you know, post-pandemic is you can st- put the start date where you want. If you want it summer of 21, or you're going to wait till spring of 22. But shortly, as the pandemic was winding down and people started going up, we start we saw real spikes in ADR because people wanted to get out of their homes, and they were, and especially in resorts, and you had people with lots of money, so they were paying unbelievable amounts of money for rooms that would have been $200. They were paying four, five, $600 a night because they had the money to spend. And again, that's a different kind of customer. Again, those that's the customer that's the high dollar customer that has gone overseas this year. Since then, we're it's tapering back down. Again, that whole normalization process is taking place and we're seeing rate growth return to normal levels. In hotels, you're not going to spend five or $600 at a mid-priced, what is normally considered a mid-priced hotel. Post-COVID, immediately post-COVID, you might have. But because of that, in terms of chain scales, what's happened, the biggest rate growths were in luxury properties, resorts, and they just saw tremendous rate growths. At one point, I forgot, I don't remember the numbers anymore, but there were more $1,000 a night hotels in the U.S. than ever before. (laughs) And that was just unbelievable. You go, who spends? a thousand dollars a night and there were and then these were the average daily rate so you know that i mean that's more than one person right this is people spending a lot of a lot of money resorts have taken a hit this year in terms of their rate growth but it's not because people don't go to resorts and and there's still there's still a lot of thousand dollar hotels out there in terms of the high-end resorts but again people are just have moved on to different locations so that you're having that change happen there as well in those resorts. Uh, right now, rate growth is on a year-to-date basis is running about 5.3%. And so, but it was, again, if you think about it, it was um, it's kind of front-loaded. We saw the highest rate growth this year in the first quarter. 
Uh, and that's because the first quarter of 22 had Omicron impacts. So right now, rate growth over the last several months has been about 2%. So it's really much lower than what we had seen, considering like in January, rate growth was 14% and in February was 10%. But to contrast that with what we're seeing in the short-term rental industry, and broadly some of the same weakness, especially in the resort-type markets, but where we're seeing ADR declines now, actually industry-level declines, are you guys actually seeing any year-over-year declines in rates across any of these markets? Across some markets, yes. I would say across markets, but not, in, not overall in the, in the total uh, space. In terms of the most, again, the lowest it got in terms of ADR growth was, I think it was like 1.3%. Uh, That's July. And now what I've seen in August, it's actually starting to turn around again. And again, it's just that summer travel this year was just different. And so, yes, people discounted. Again, I'm talking about mix. There's a mix issue because here we are talking about conference travel. We're having business travelers come back. Again, it just everything's changing. So it's not necessarily real rate declines. It's the average daily rate declines, if that makes sense. I think. Yeah. So... I think it makes sense what you're talking about in terms of the leisure traveler. There's some weakness there in the hotel industry, not necessarily attributed to the economics of the leisure travel, but maybe the places and types of and countries that they're traveling to and maybe types of markets that they're traveling to. How are you seeing overall business travel and maybe group travel recover? I think famously, was it Bill Gates said that he thought 50% of business travel was going to disappear and never come back. I mean, what, what have you guys seen in terms of business travel return and, and where is it at today? I'll say, I, I will say that I'm not as smart as Bill Gates. But one, <laughs> thing, one thing I did learn early in my career is never say never. Because <laughs> so, you just don't know, right? When you're in the heat of that, we did not know. We did not know what was going to happen. You know, I mean, most, many of us didn't know we we're going to live, right? I mean, we had that in the back of the mind, which was, weird because you never had to worry about, we all know we're going to die, but you don't have to think it's going to happen really quick and real illness, like what was happening. So yeah, that was crazy. I would never have said, I would never have said that. What we're seeing in business travel is a return. So we are finally seeing the comeback. It is not fully back. It'll take some time to come back. Uh, demand, you know, weekday demand in, um, in the top 25 markets is still further down than the total industry. And that's because that business travel is not there yet. But it's coming back and you can actually see it. And you can little by little, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays are recovering. And the top 25 are recovering. And again, the top 25 for us represent that business travel. Again, obviously, New York City right now in the, in the summer months is a lot of leisure. But it'll be a, it's a market to watch. Watch Miami. Watch L.A. Watch New York and Chicago in the fall. Because that'll give us a better indication, even you know what, how strong business travel or what the you know how much of it has come back versus a year ago. And then group travel, on the other hand, has been very solid. Um, we've seen very large conferences, obviously in uh, Las Vegas. Las Vegas is doing very well, and that's not fully back either, but it's coming back more strongly, I think, than even business travel. And then the other thing I'll just say, Jamie, the thing we've been thinking about at STR is that it's. Um, the, well, the nature of business travel is actually changing. And I do believe there's one thing that was said during the COVID, during the height of COVID, and that was, um, oh, I just lost his name, the, the, the CEO of Delta Airlines. 
I can't think of his name Ed, right now. Ed, Ed Bastian? Yeah, Ed Bastian. Another smart, smart guy. He said, I'll never forget, the era of flying five hours for lunch is over. And something I may pay for, paraphrase that incorrectly, but I do believe that's done. That we were in a, a society that was crazy when, and budgets were so free and and just you jump, you jump on a plane just to have a lunch or a dinner and then come back and nothing more. I think now the nature of business travel is people are going to be more cognizant, not only for safety reasons, because they're worried still about illnesses and things, but you know, fiscally, it makes no sense to do that. But I do think business travel is important. And I think Jamie Dimon has been pushing that. I met a guy on the plane. You know me, I'm always talking to folks funny. Um, <laughs> he was sitting next to me on the flight from uh, Memphis to Atlanta this, today, or uh, not today, on uh, Wednesday. And he said, I don't know how it came up, but he travels all the time. He said he traveled 50 weeks last year and never stopped traveling during COVID. The neat, what he said was, we won more business by being on the road than our competitors. He sells brakes. Uh-huh. And he said that we traveled all the time and we told share. And yep. he goes, I can show it to you. And he goes, face-to-face works. He goes, you can't do this on Zoom. And I think that's what people are going to realize. And that's what Jamie Dimon has been saying. And as you know, we famously two weeks ago, Zoom is trying to get people back into the office. And so <laughs> because collaboration, you need it, right? I mean, it's just easier to collaborate or walk down to someone's office and say, hey, I need some help. Yeah. And so but it's coming back. So long story, but yes, things are coming back. It's looking, yeah, it's not 100% back. And if there is a recession, what we feel will happen to business travel is that tide of return will just slow. It won't retreat. And that's what makes it so different from any other recessions, if we have a recession. Yeah. So, and it it speaks to me in 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 two ways. One is is thinking about how seasonality has been changing, and we've seen in, in for short term rental demand and sort of an extended season. It, it's short term rentals are are so sort of peak season, uh, off season, like the expanded shoulder season has really helped, and then also just people given their added flexibility uh, and wanting, to, if they're going to travel for a tr- trip, they're going to make it a long weekend. And you s- sort of see the check-in dates change. You see longer length of stays in certain type of markets. Are you guys seeing similar types things? Yeah, in, but, uh, we're seeing a re- yep, but we're seeing a reversal, reversal back to typical seasonality. Okay. So we did some analysis. When we started coming up with this idea of normalization, I was trying to prove this out both day of week. And then I did multiple things. We looked at share. So we did a lot of work around sh- global share, uh, top 25 share saying, okay, what was it before? What is it now? You know, does this make sense? Are we seeing something, you know, are we seeing a return to the, to, to normal uh, seasonal, seasonal patterns mm-hmm. with the day of week, we looked at shoulders Sunday, Thursday, weekdays, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and weekends, Friday and Saturday. But we did a little bit something different because the hotel industry is very seasonal and the calendar makeup really matters. For yep. those that, uh, you know, you know that if there is an extra Sunday in a month, it kills the performance of that month, right? Vis-a-vis the uh, year ago, right? So it's, it really matters how the calendar is, the composition of the calendar. And that and that's because for hotels, Sunday is so weak. So if you have an extra yep. Sunday, it's going to make it a really tough comparison when comparing month month year over year trends for you had five uh, Saturdays in the previous year and you have five Sundays in this or so that probably doesn't work. We had five Saturdays. Yeah. You know how it works. You, yeah. you have to do the right math, but you get it. 
But what was interesting, what we've seen is we jumped on this idea in 22 to look at the same calendar makeup. Yes, you're going, people are shaking their heads, well, the calendar is always the same, but it's not, right? So for, 20, <laughs> for 22, the calendar that was exactly like 22 was 2017. Mm-hmm. Using that knowledge, and then I could go back to, and then the, the other year that's like that was 2005, we could start predicting weekly results just based on seasonality. Forget mm-hmm. anything else. So, so we go, oh, this week's going to be down, this week's going to be up. And we started doing that. So that's the idea of how I started working on this idea is how do we figure out that if we're going back to normal seasonal trends? We took that this year and we compared 23 to 27, or like, yeah, 2017, right? And 2006. And I should have said 22 was like 2011. So I got those years mixed up. So 23 is comparable to 2017 and 2006. And 22 is 2011 and 2005. For those who are keeping count, like you did. <laughs> but what we saw is you can dramatically see the share change. And then we compared each calendar, 21, 22, and 23, to their respect, respective historical calendars. And you see what we knew was happening, that weekends out of COVID were the share there was super high and that share was super down on weekdays and uh, shoulders were kind of in between. Mm -hmm. But what you see now when you compare the trends is everything coming back normalizing. You You see shoulders going back down to where they should be. You see weekends going back down to where they should be and weekdays going up where they should be. And that's so that's why we believe that the industry is becoming returning back to its seasonal state. And again, we'll continue looking at that and doing more work because it's just fascinating and it's fun work. But I think it's already just getting back to normal. Just that idea, it's just getting back to normal. And and we talk about that a lot when looking at the data, in that, and you probably know this more than most, that I mean occupancy sort of sits at equilibrium. And it can oscillate above or below, but typically it's going to get back to that sort of long run average. The sort of supply and demand trends will, if occupancy is high, a bunch of new supply will come in. If occupancy is low, and you're going to see a period of low supply growth, uh, maybe a a period of recovery where you have to wait for the economy to get back. Where do you see the hotel cycle today? And what do you get a sense for and where supply growth is going to be coming? Like, are you guys expecting a recession? Like, what if you put your crystal ball hat on? Like, and what what are you guys expecting for the next couple of years? Several questions, several loaded questions. Let's, <laughs> do, the develop, let's do the development side, and then I'll talk about the economic side. Yeah, development side this time around is being impacted by something not performance related. That being higher interest rates and tighter lending standards. Yeah. So what we're seeing right now is less ground breaks. So for the foreseeable future, we're going to see a lot less new open hotels, right? Because the, the ground breaks have just stopped. It's not to say there are no hotels being built. There's a lot of hotels in the pipeline, but they haven't ground, they haven't broken ground. And it'll be interesting what the big franchise companies do, because normally you have a time, uh, a window of when you're supposed to break down or then the contract is, is void, right? Null and void. So it'd be very interesting to see what happens if they take those projects off their books. Because if you look at all the uh, the projects that are planning, final planning, there the hotel companies are sitting on a boatload of projects, right? And yeah. it is stronger than it's ever. I think it's among the strongest it's ever been, but they're just not moving the ground breaks. So 
I think supply, not related to economics, the, the recession or not related to economics, because there's obviously interest rates and lending standards. That's going to be slow, slow, slow for a while. And, and, and the sort of connecting the dots there is, I know a lot of these projects maybe, I and mean, someone was underwriting it maybe a year ago when interest rates were 3%. Now they've sort of got it through the planning phase. They're ready to go. They're talking with their bank and now the interest rate is 8%. And now they can't necessarily make the numbers work. And uh, it, 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 it's going to delay a lot of product projects and probably reduce in any future supply growth coming right. in. The, the for, I would say three to four years, at least we're going to see very limited supply growth. Mm-hmm. So that's just, I think that's just, and that's what's in our forecast. Talking about the recession, what we're planning, yes, we do have baked in a recession to our forecast. Uh, but, we, you know, I continue to be, you know, we work with uh, a great partner of ours and they truly believe and they continue to reiterating that there's going to be an economic slowdown and that it's going to impact the hotel industry. Uh, because anything that, you know, uh, that, that people lose their jobs or any of that, then, yeah, people don't travel. But I contend that the general economy is not the traveling economy, that mm-hmm. this slowdown was also going to be one that's very odd. So normally when, we, when there's a recession, STR in its forecast always has negative rev par or revenue per it normally goes down. Even though we have built in a recession, we're still showing positive rev par for the next three years. I think it may even be more positive than what we show. Because again, unlike other recessions, this recession is really not going to impact the employment side. And I've heard from multiple economists on that. And they just don't believe that you're going to see the widespread layoffs, which normally truly impact travel, right? Because the traveling public, in my mind, and the people who stay at hotels, especially on the higher end, they tend to be college-educated professionals. And unless you see major corporations letting go of people, then you're not, they're not going to be impacted. Maybe they don't get the bonus they got last year because they blew their budget out of the water. Or maybe they don't get the raises they've had in the past, but they're still going to be gainfully employed and making decent money. And some of the data I've been looking at that we shared in our conference, you know, the number of 100,000 plus households is expected to go up. The real disposable income is expected to go up. And you go, and if employment's not impacted, then, okay, then there should be no impact to the hotel industry or a very marginal. Again, there's always some impact, but it's very marginal. We are seeing some changes and some declining. You asked about this earlier, and I didn't address it, but chain scales that are seeing declines. The economy right now, chain scales being seen declines. But we also think there's a lot of things going on there. It's not part of it could be economics, but there's also just a lot more involved. And I had a conversation with someone in Memphis regarding their economy property, which they're converting to senior housing. It goes mm-hmm. back to best use scenarios yep. in real estate. That for them to put the money in the hotel to get it back up to standards, they're not going to get that money because economy hotels don't have a high ADR. Yep. But if they convert their product in, into apartments, they see a higher return. And that's what they're doing. And we're seeing that. So I think there's a lot in the economy. That's to be another whole different topic because that one's a lot more, a lot of moving pieces there. So, yeah. So for the listeners, we did uh, present together at the, Hotel Data Conference is now a, cu- a couple of weeks ago, and one of the broad trends was around what was happening with share between people staying in hotels and people staying in short-term rentals. And overall, short-term rentals still continue to gain share, albeit at a much slower pace. 
And I think, and you sort of hinted to it, but with the low supply growth going forward and maybe flat to slightly growing demand, our expectation and one of the ending slides was that short-term rentals were going to continue to gain back some share. So that said, what do you think were some of the big takeaways from that analysis? Uh, and maybe was there anything that surprised you as we dug into the data? Not that surprised us. I guess we could say it surprises. I think that, you know, we had uh, a year ago, we had done something similar with you and your team. And we had seen the share actually coming down, right, from, from a very historical high and coming down. I was surprised that it was back up to that historical high or very close to that historical high. So it was about 14%, I remember, of total accommodations. Yeah. What was different this time, again, when we started digging into it, is what I recall is the most of the share gains were in two-plus bedroom units, right? So it led by the three-plus bedroom units, as I remember correctly, and that the highest share gains continue to be in markets where there's very little hotel product or, or barriers to entry, as you might, we might think about it that way. And so, again, is it, it, it makes sense. It's not surprising. And the thing we kind of emphasize, as you remember, for hotel years, the product that's most similar to hotels, one bedroom and studios, that's gaining share, but at a much slower rate. And it looks, it's demand trends look very similar to hotel trends, right? <laughs> While the two plus units had much stronger trends, very different. So yep. I think that was the surprising part, how the bigger units tend to be outperforming, if you want to talk about it that way. And then the, the smaller units, the one bedroom studios seem to be just like hotels. And I think one of the surprising things to me, and, and you talked about the sort of uh, building strength in the top 25 markets, when we looked at sort of those top markets, when we looked at sort of the urban areas, hotels continue to take back share. And essentially, short-term rentals are below their 2018 level of share. So we've lost essentially five years of gains to the hotel industry in those type of markets. I mean, as a hotelier, as someone analyzing the hotel industry, I, I suspect you see as, as a great thing for, for the health there. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, again, everyone's fighting for share. Everyone's fighting for livelihood. So yes, you can gain share. <laughs> share is the, is the game, right? You've got to gain share. So yeah. I think, yes, it's good for the hotel industry. And again, everyone, everything has its place, right? I always, as I always thought that even as a, as a brand hotel guy, there's a time where you want to be in a bigger unit with your family, friends, however, versus if I'm trying on a business trip, just give me a hotel so I can go down to the bar, get a bite to eat and go back to my room or, you know, just to, you know, in and out, right? Because a lot of us are, we're day in, day out on the road. So, but it's just, it's the stay occasion. It's always been about the stay occasion and it does matter and it does, it dictates choice and the right choice. So, well, I'm, that that seems maybe like a, a, a decent point to sort of end on. I, I do want to let our listeners know you, you at, at SDR have started your own podcast. Could you Correct. share the I mean, some of the details about what you guys are trying to do there? Yeah, uh, Jan Freitag and I have known Jan for as long as I've known you, Jamie, I think. So he and I, he's on the CoStar side. He's a market. He leads the uh, U.S. market analytics for CoStar. And he and I just rap about what's happening in the industry on a monthly basis. It's mm -hmm. called Tell Me More, a hospitality podcast, hospitality data podcast, sorry. <laughs> and we, uh, you can find on Google, Apple, anywhere you find your podcast, we're out everywhere or Hotel News Now. And Hotel News Now's for your listeners, if you want to know what's going on in the hotel industry, 
that's also available. It's called Hotel News Now. Always great articles there about the hotel industry. And then if you want to find, I also write on a weekly basis. And I'm on LinkedIn, just on Isaac Clauso. You can find me, Isaac Clauso at SDR. You'll figure, you'll find me. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a fun. It's fun doing the podcast with Jan. We tend to take opposing views. We tend to be very different in our outlook. So it's a it's a fun uh, fun podcast for us to do. So yeah, and I say I have very much enjoyed listening to the two episodes that have come out, and I also really enjoy. And your weekly write-ups on hotel performance that seem to come out every Friday. As, yes. Have you have you written your one for this week yet? Yes, it, it's written. It's done. I haven't posted it on LinkedIn yet, but it's it should be out there in the hotel news now already. But yeah, I haven't linked. That's the hardest. I always have to kind of remember to put it back on my LinkedIn. But yes, it's out there. <laughs> and so, well, but it's fun. Uh, that's how we keep learning with the data. So otherwise, if you don't play with the data, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. In the industry, so <laughs> a, man, a man speaking to my heart. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, yeah. I really appreciate all the work that you do at STR and sort of keeping us up to date. And for short-term rental operators, for short-term rental analysts, I highly suggest following the work that Isaac and Jan do at STR. And they're they're great at sort of distilling it into something that's understandable for the average analyst out there and follow them if you're not already doing it. And we always want feedback. So if you don't agree, just tell us on LinkedIn or find my email and let us know because that's how we all learn. So we learn from each other. Well, Isaac, thank you so much for joining. Thanks, Jamie. This has been fun. 